Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Keep your Bibles open to chapter 2. Um, this evening is such a great program. I'm really happy that you guys are going through it at this time. I uh, hope you'll get a lot out of this evening because it, it really is, well, yeah, I talked about going back to fundamentals. I will do Ephesians in my church again, um, except that I had preached through it uh, not that long ago, so um, I'm doing a different one, Romans, but it's a great book. Um, so let's pray that by um, God's Spirit, I'll be able to speak and share God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that your Word is powerful, that it does not uh, return to you empty. Lord, you created the heavens and the earth, and you create your church. You bring us to faith and to new life in you. And we pray now that your Word will go out and not return to you empty, that you will shower us with your power, um, with your uh, life-changing message. We pray this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, you know that the Jews and the Gentiles um, back then hated each other. They hated each other for many different reasons. There are historical reasons, right? There were the history. Uh, uh, Israel was a colony. Uh, it was overtaken by many different empires. And when the Gentiles came, they forced their life upon the Jews. And it wasn't that long ago, um, uh, a king named Antiochus Epiphanes IV took a pig, went into the temple, and sacrificed his pig on the Jewish altar, on the temple it, itself. The divisions of Jews and the Gentiles uh, weren't just a matter of custom. It was physical, too, remember? Circumcision. And now Roman baths were everywhere. Uh, the, the sporting events were all done in the nude, and so it was very obvious who was Jew and who was a Gentile. In turn, uh, the, the, so the Jewish people were, um, the Sabbath keeping was outlawed, they were uh, uh, outcasts uh, in their own land, 
And in turn, the Jewish people uh, begged that Gentiles, or God created Gentiles, to be Jews for themselves. Can you imagine the hatred between the two? They were separated. Uh, they did their best uh, to not run into each other. And that symbol of separation uh, was there right in the temple. Uh, Gentiles were not able to go in. They were not allowed in in the temple itself. In 1871 and 1935, these slabs of stone were found by archaeologists that, uh, that uh, said that the Gentiles, that forbade Gentiles uh, from entering the temple mount. It didn't say the trespassers will be prosecuted. It said the trespassers will be executed. They would be killed if they had entered the temple. And that's us. Gentiles are us. I don't know if any of you have any Jewish blood in you, but Gentiles are us. We were not able to go and worship one true God. We were not able to meet with him. Verse 11, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by, by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision. Verse 12, remember that you were separated from Christ, excluded, excluded from the citizen, citizenship of, of heaven and with foreigners. As if last week, there is a great but here in our passage as well. Verse 13, but, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Uh, last week, Paul talked a lot about what God has done for each of us, that salvation that we received through Christ. But you, in this passage, I mean, it's all plural, but in this passage, I think, especially, it's plural. It's you, the church. This, at this time, in this passage, Paul goes through what God has done for the church as a people of God, what his purpose was for the entire humanity. In Christ, you who were far away, far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We were far away from Christ. We were far away from God. But now God has brought us together to be one in him. And that spatial language is, you know, you see it in the Old Testament quite often. For example, God and Israel known to be, were known to be near one another. Moses could say, what a great nation is there that has God so near to it. As the Lord our God is with us, Deuteronomy 4, 7, or Psalm 148, people of Israel who are near to him. But Gentiles who have been far away from God, this extraordinary thing happened. Christ happened. And through Christ, we're brought into the fellowship with God uh, in Nicene language, into the bosom of the Trinity. Through Christ, we are we enjoy the intimate relationship with God the Father that God the Son enjoys through the power of His Spirit. And not only then were we brought to God Himself, we're brought near to one another. People who were once far away were brought near to one another. Paul in verse 14 says he destroyed that barrier, the wall of dividing wall of hostility. A wall of hostility. I'm sure he had in mind that wall in the temple. The temple that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. It, it, it's as if Jesus came and took the sledgehammer and just took it down. 
and says there's no longer separation, not just between God and you, but with all the people of God. You can be one in Christ. Remember, if you're old enough, in 1989, uh, you remember that wall, Berlin Wall, coming down. Uh, when that nation became one, the people took sledgehammers, right? And they went in to Berlin. That's, that separated, that symbol of separation, two different countries. They took it down because it was no longer necessary. They became one country. And we, too, have become one in Christ. So that we're no longer, in Galatian language, Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He did this by fulfilling the law so that he could set it aside, verse 15, to create one new humanity. You see, the goal of crucifixion wasn't just, once again, reconciliation to God himself. The goal of crucifixion was creation of a new humanity, where these walls of separation, walls of hostility, is broken down and were made one new kind of a person, one new kind of humanity through Christ Jesus. Friends, if you look to see Jesus on the cross, and if you see a Savior, if you see your sins forgiven in him, you must look left to the right, left and right, and see who has gathered around that cross. Because God is bringing these long lost brothers and sisters together through the cross so that we can be one through him. World peace is something that politicians love to talk about, beauty pageants talk about it. United Nations Charter, uh, it's got peace written into it. Its purpose of its existence is to maintain international peace and security. It's a good thing that we seek peace because it's something that God has sought for us as well. Verses 14 to 18 mention peace four times. Uh, and it's completely devoted to how Christ established this peace. It's not something that we can accomplish. Christ has given us this peace between God and the people, between Gentiles and the Jews, and by implication, between the Gentiles amongst ourselves. Verse 17, he went and preached this peace to those who are far away and who are near. In the early 90s, um, the genocide in Burundi was raging. You might, you might remember or may, may, may have heard about this. Hutus were killing Tutsis. Tutsis, of course, were fleeing for their lives. The chancellor of Bujumbra University made this remarkable statement, despite the fact that he didn't profess to be a Christian. He looked at his campus, and he looked at the, 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 uh, his students, and he announced, our culture is disintegrating. There are three groups of people in our campus, Hutus, Tutsis, and Christians. They are the only ones who look beyond our differences and make a difference. I don't know if you caught that. Hutus, Tutsis, and one new kind of being, new kind of humanity, new kind of a race. Christians. Christians. The chancellor recognized what Jesus has done in the church by creating one new humanity through Christ. Hutus, Tutsis, and Christians. 
similar time, meanwhile in Rwanda, you might have heard about this, there was that, that genocide going on. But in the National uh, Christian Student uh, Movement, um, uh, throughout the country, the, in the National Christian Student Movement, Christians were killed, not just the Tutsis. And Lindsey Brown, who was the, uh, the president of IFPs, went and visited that place a year after this happened. And he asked, why were Christians were killed? Uh, transpired in this Christian university the week before, the, before genocide broke out, Hutus, Tutsi, Christians came together. And they sang together, holding hands together. We're one in Christ, one in the spirit. And for that, they were killed. Hutus, Tutsis, no, Christians, Japanese, Koreans, Christians, Chinese, Hong Kongers, Christians, educated, uneducated, rich or poor, light-skinned, dark-skinned, Brahmins, Dalits, blues or yellows, or whatever, we're one in Christ. We are Christians. That is the purpose for which God sent his son, so that we could be reconciled to himself and to one another. You know, we do, we create all sorts of separation from one another. And as we do so, we feel slightly superior to other people, don't we? Jews felt superior to the Gentiles. Of course, people, don't they don't have God's law. We are God's special people. Jews, Gentiles felt superior to, to the Jews. Whatever the separation that we create, we often feel that way. We create these separations because of education or nationality or uh, wealth or whatever and we feel superior to others but look what God does through the cross there's only one kind of separation that's savior in Jesus Christ and people who need to be forgiven sinners in need of God's grace that's what we all are at the foot of the cross that ground is level we're all sinners in need of God's salvation and through Christ, we receive that salvation and we have, we have that privilege of being Christians. Christians, that is who we are. And so this text talks about how that is God's purpose. But in 19 verses 19 through 22, he uses then different analogies to tell us, it, it takes this analogy and goes deeper and deeper. And he uses three different metaphors here. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. Uh, I'm an immigrant to the US. I moved when I was 12 in 1992, and I became a citizen of the US, I think in 2001, or maybe 2000. And I remember that swearing in ceremony pretty clearly. Um, I swear my allegiance to the United States, to the flag of the United States of America. Um, on all of that, I remember exchanging my Korean citizenship with the American one. I remember walking up, yeah, I'm an American with this certificate that tells me that that is who I am with all the rights and privileges that comes with it. But if you are a Christian, that's what you have come as well. You have sworn allegiance to Jesus Christ and you have become fellow citizen in God's kingdom. We have become fellow citizens of the same kingdom. It doesn't mean that we give up our nationalities. I'm here on earth, we still are New Zealanders and English and um, Chinese and Koreans or whatever, but it does mean that we 
become primarily our first allegiance becomes our allegiance allegiance to our king jesus that is who we are primarily and we know this don't we because if you have been a christian long enough you see actually that we're like other christians in different countries have you traveled to a different country and met a christian don't you feel almost this sense of kinship well it's because you belong to the same kin- the same kin- kingdom you share the same stories you share the same values and you serve the same king your fellow citizens in god's kingdom so let me ask what is then the how, how are you known in your um, schools in your workplaces are you the smart one are you the good-looking one are you the hard-working one are you the lazy one i don't know <laughs> the, what you should be known for is for your christianness more than your englishness or koreanness or chineseness or whatever it is you belong to god's kingdom and that should shape who you are and you should be known as christians because that is your primary identity in christ but then he goes on to something deeper we're not just fellow citizens in god's kingdom Uh, we're also members of the same household sharing citizenship in god's kingdom is one thing being a family together that's quite another if you belong to a han family uh, my name is han uh, if you belong to the han family we have a lot of things in common Uh, we have if you're a Han family, we share something much deeper, and that's what Paul is trying to get at. It's not just sort of citizens. You become a family together because of Christ. You know, we call each other brothers and sisters, and that's not supposed to be just some customary thing. We are to look at one another and say, you are my brother. You are my sister, because God has made us one family. That's what theologian uh, Stanley Hauerwas, he often says things like, water is thicker than the blood. It's slightly counter, um, uh, sorry, I'm losing my words here. Um, uh, you know, we normally say thick, uh, blood is thicker than blood. Um, I mean, blood is thicker than water, but uh, he says water is thicker than blood. Why? Well, because the water is the baptism. Oh, your death. And resurrection in Christ Jesus you know that relationship that God has formed will is thicker than the blood because it lasts longer you will look around you the people around you whether you like them or not you will spend the eternity with them because God has brought you together as one family in Christ Jesus this relationship will last the eternity Nothing can separate separate us from God, but also to one another if we are Christ's family, members of the same God, the same household. Death cannot separate us. And this family shares the common ancestry, and it goes back to Jesus. Jesus, verse 20, our chief cornerstone. I don't know much about architecture, so I had to look stuff up on Wikipedia. I hope this is right. The cornerstone is, I mean, what it, it is, a cornerstone. But what it does is it's, it's a reference point for every other building block in that building, right? Where, how the angle is set, 
that, that cornerstone determines the rest of the building's direction. And each, each stone has to look back to the cornerstone and take its direction. You know, when it says built by, on the chief cornerstone Jesus and the apostle, uh, the foundations of apostles and the prophets, it doesn't mean that we're built on apostles and the prophets. They look back to Jesus, their cornerstone. They point to Jesus and they say, follow him, Jesus, your cornerstone. And it, that, that, that means that all of us uh, has to live, all of us have to live our lives in reference continuing to look back to Jesus and go, how, where is he telling me to go? What has he told me to do? Who am I in him? We live all our lives in reference to Christ Jesus, and that's what makes us one. Christ has reconciled us. As you catch the final metaphor in verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. For about, for about a thousand years, the temple had been the center of Jewish identity. Remember, the Jewish people had the temple exclusively for themselves. The Gentiles were forbidden. Um, and uh, the temple, sorry, the Jewish people had believed uh, that they were God's people because they had the temple. Because God promised to meet them through the temple. They were the, the, it was a physical sign of God's presence in Israel. And the whole world was supposed to know that there is one true God because of the presence of the temple. Now we, as the church, no matter our skin color, gender, race, educational background, or whatever, we are now the temple of God. We are the sign of God's presence in the world. Now, people will know, uh, people will know who God is by what kind of people we are, what God has done, what kind of work that God is doing in us we are the temple of god what this says of course means that we must be different people in the world we must be godlike people in the world we must treat one another as god has treated us with grace with holiness with love the kind of community that the resurrection church is in saigon should be enough for people in Saikung to know that there is God. There is a God who is active and alive. People in Saikung should know who God is, what he's like, by watching you. Because you are now the living stones of that temple that God is building. So what kind of community are you? What kind of community are you striving to be? And in order to do this, in order to be that, we have to remember who we are. Remember, we have to remember who we were. We have to remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm a child of sort of 80s and 90s, and 90s was a time of Disney movies. Um, remember um, Lion King. 
um, that famous scene, what was, you know, Lion King Simba accidentally is part of this, well, he, he was, uh, um, he thinks that he killed his own father, and so he goes on in self-exile, and he, he's a lion, but he is, uh, he, he acts like he's not a lion. Remember the stuff that he eats? He eats like grubs and, you know, he doesn't know who he is. And he's happy with who he is until one day his friend, uh, a friend visits and he has this vision. His father appears in the night sky out of the cloud, Mufasa. And that, if you remember that movie, uh, Mufasa, the father says, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're not a bug-eating animal. <laughs> you are a lion. You are a lion. You, that's who you are. Um, be who you are. Remember who you are. Paul says, remember who you once were. Remember who you once were. Remember now who you are. In chapter 1, he told us that we're a chosen community who has received every spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, and that he prayed for us to get to know the depth of that blessing. In chapter 2, that he told us that we're a saved community, a community that is saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I hope you heard last week's sermon on this, that we've been freed and we're graced and we're empowered to do God's good works. And today, he reminds us that we're a community with no divisions. No divisions. People who share the same passports. People who are of members of the same family in Christ. People who are integrated and have become building blocks of God's temple here on earth that testifies by our lives of God's existence, God's holiness, His justice, His perfection, His righteousness, His love and grace just by being present in this world. I hope as you move to this, uh, uh, to, to, to this place and you think about what the church is and what kind of a church that you should be, I hope you remember who you were and who you are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we when we look at our hearts and when we are honest with ourselves, we see sin in us. Yes. Lord, we pray that you would convict us of our wretchedness before the cross. That we might look up and see our Savior, Jesus, and see the unbelievable grace that we have received through him. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to cast aside any sense of self-righteousness, any sense of superiority, superiority or inferiority to others, and help us to see that we are now one in Christ Jesus. People who have received this unbelievable grace and blessings through Christ Jesus. People who have received that citizenship, that become members of God's family, and become building blocks in that most amazing place, your temple here on earth that shows who you are to the world. Lord, help us to remember who we were. Help us to remember our grace. Help us remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen.